Welcome to Taboo, Religion, Race, Sex, and Politics. Tonight's episode is going to be on uh, a topic that has been in the news for the last few days, one that you have undoubtedly heard of, whether it is from CNN, Fox News, everybody's talking about it, a few people understand it. Uh, and a lot of people have opinions about it. So I figured this would be a great topic for our first call-in live show. We are talking about Jerry Falwell, his wife Becky, his spectacular fall from grace, as the president of Christian Evangelical Liberty University in Virginia. And what got them here? First of all, let's do a little bit of background. Who is Jerry Falwell? Why do we care? Jerry is the son of... Uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., who founded Liberty University. He, Jerry Falwell is a very well-known Christian evangelical priest, preacher. I don't think priest is the right word. And has served as spiritual advisor to, and I'm talking about the father right now, Jerry Sr., uh, served as a spiritual advisor to some important people. He was Southern Baptist. He was on TV, uh, one of the first really popular televangelists. <clears throat> he founded the Thomas Road Baptist Church. And uh, had, a, had a huge following. He was also a co-founder of the Moral Majority, which was a prominent, or I guess it's, I don't know, maybe it still is. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's it's still around, but it was a prominent American political organization uh, that really held a lot of influence in the Republican Party. It was um, strongly associated with the far Christian right. <clears throat> okay, I'm doing some Googling now, and I see that it actually dissolved in the late 1980s. But it served in mobilizing conservative Christians to use their political voice and played a role in um, several elections um, particularly uh, the election of, I believe, Ronald Reagan, and served to as a, as a vehicle to to put out a message um, that really stressed moral standards, and so it's ironic at best that the son of the man who founded this church, who 
was idolized, um, another ironic term when you're talking about Christians, but was idolized um, to an extent by a lot of, of Christians, especially in the South. Um, that, that now his son uh, has brought such disgrace on his family uh, and the university that his father founded. Liberty University uh, was founded in 1971 by Jerry Sr. and is still an active university and has has a a lot of students. Um, So let's talk about Jerry Jr. Jerry is one of his his parents' three children. He is an attorney and is married to Becky, Becky Tilly. They got married in 1987. Becky, by trade, is a social worker. Jerry and Becky have three children. One of their sons uh, is named Trey. He's actually Jerry Falwell III. And I, I'm almost positive, and I need to, to verify this, but, but Trey, they call him Trey because he's the third. Uh, Trey went to Liberty University and played in a rock band for a while. Apparently the young man is a very gifted guitarist, and they um, they uh, let's see here. It looks like we have we have a caller. Well, maybe not. Okay, it's not ringing. He says he's trying to call in, and it's not ringing. I'm not sure how to. Let's try this. Hello. Hey, hey you're here. Hey, Welcome. I'm here. Oh, so yay. My first live caller. Yes. I'm so excited. Hey. I'm just going so, through. I got a little bit. Okay, yeah. I'm just going through a little, a little bit. bit of the background. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's seen it in the news the last few days. I'm going through a little bit of the background. Who is this guy? Why do we care? Uh, you know, and so just to kind of recap. Mm-hmm. His dad was Southern Baptist preacher. Um, every white, let me just put that out there, white mm-hmm. Southern Baptist uh, knew who Jerry Falwell was, the daddy. He was okay. a televangelist. He was a conservative right. activist. He founded mm-hmm. uh, one of the first big mega churches. He founded a Christian academy. He founded Liberty University. He went on a speaking tour across the United States. It was I love America or I love something. Um, and I don't remember. I, I, I mean, I grew up knowing who Jerry Falwell was. Grew up in Tennessee. I never heard of Yeah, I grew up in Tennessee um, in a Southern Baptist household. And he was just somebody mm-hmm. that, that we knew, we knew about. And uh, he played a role in conservative Christian politics. He founded the Moral Majority, and the Moral Majority was used to 
help elect Ronald Reagan, among uh, other people. Mm -hmm. And it really pushed this idea of having a strong moral background that your politicians, Mm -hmm. your the people who represented you, whether that be in Congress, as governors, and and as president, that they needed to have these uh, virtuous characters. They needed to not only live their lives in a way that was uh, pleasing to their Christian uh, morality, but they needed to enact legislation uh, that supported Christian views and uh, you know, the, the more majority, one of, one of the things that they would have been heavily involved in was abortion rights, that kind of stuff. Hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the daddy. And okay. Jerry Jr., he's an attorney. He followed in his father's footsteps. His father died, had a, I want to say it was a heart attack back in 07. Um, mm-hmm. He was in his early 70s when he died. He's actually buried on the grounds of the university. And okay. when he died, Jerry Jr. Uh, was, I, I assume he was appointed. Um, I don't think there, I, he was, he took over as president of Liberty University for his father. Okay. And has been there ever since 07, so what's that, 13 years. He's married to a lady named Becky. They got married in 1987. They've got three kids by... by uh, profession. She is a social worker. Uh, I believe that Becky also worked at the university at least at some uh, at some time. And right when you called in, I was talking about Barry, uh, Jerry, and Becky have three kids of their own, and mm-hmm. one of those is Jerry the third. They call him Trey. Trey went to Liberty University, and Trey is. Mm-hmm. Um, by most accounts, a you know you know what's funny what's when you hear the name Trey, you automatically think of a black guy. Oh, that is funny. My grandson uh, is you, the third, and we call yeah, him. I Trey. never, yeah, I never think of a white guy when I hear the name Trey. So yeah, but okay, so here's a white guy, and and uh, he's the third, and they call him Trey, and Trey went to Liberty, and, and by most accounts, he mm-hmm. is a talented guitarist, and uh, when he was. Late teens, right? He had just graduated from high school, and he got a gig playing guitar with a band there um, in mm-hmm. in Lynchburg. And this band would rehearse. Um, so, so the Falwells, the the junior mm-hmm. uh, and his wife, have have a, a a house and some property. And on the property, there is an empty church. And so mm-hmm. they. Uh, when their son got involved with this band, band needed a place to practice. And, band said, and they say, hey, you clean up this building. You can go uh, practice your, you know, have your band practice rehearsals in the church that's on our property. So the guys all say, sure, yay, thank you. And they go and clean it up, and they start having band practice. And um, like a good mom, Becky goes and, you know, introduces herself to her son's friends and she brings them snacks and lemonade and stuff and, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the weird thing about it was that Becky started hanging out. She would bring over the snacks and stuff and then she'd just stay and watch the practice. And one of the band members, um, 
who who is remaining anonymous, said that it got to the point where it was kind of creepy, you know, like like she was just hanging out there all the time. And so so she she kind of has this history of um, some kind of, of I don't know what you call it relationship, but interactions um, with much younger men. So Jerry, uh, and I'm getting off track because uh, I was I was giving mm-hmm. giving some background here. Jerry, he he took over as president of, of Liberty University when his father died, uh, and they have all about thirteen thousand students. So it's a, it's a good size, it's a decent sized university, uh, but everybody that sends their kids there. Uh, they have really strict moral codes with the university. And one of the things that they um, impress upon their students is that you are not to have sex outside of marriage. You can actually be expelled from the university if they find out you've done that. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and and that becomes relevant in a, in a little while. So what's been in the news lately is that a young man uh, came forward and made allegations that he had had a relationship with Becky Falwell that lasted about eight years. Mm-hmm. And I think that, of course, like with anybody who is in any position of power, authority, or has any uh, fame whatsoever associated with them. At first, people were a little skeptical, but the young man has uh, produced evidence. He has screenshots of messages between him and Becky, and he actually even produced an audio recording. I think it came from a Skype or something like that, um, but a, a recording of a phone call between him and Becky, uh, and it was pretty obvious from the messages in the audio recording that he and Becky did indeed have a relationship as he suggested. What made him want to bring that information forward? Well, the motive is unclear. Um, The Falwells Mm. say that it was an extortion attempt, um, that he had threatened to go public with this information uh, unless they Mm -hmm. paid him with a lot of money. Uh, okay, okay. And but but can you still hear me? Okay, yeah. I, I accidentally hit hit a button. Um, but for for whatever reason, uh, and and Falwell denies paying him any money. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, they went ahead. He, he went ahead and gave an interview to uh, a reputable news source and mm-hmm. told everybody about this relationship. And that okay. in and of itself for the moral majority for a guy who is president of a university that tells um, its students that, that uh, you can't have sex outside of marriage and, and if you do so we, we can even kick you out of, out of school. You know, that, that would be something of a, of a um, a little bit of a scandal, but okay. what really made this uh, headline uh, more scandalous 
was the fact that he claimed, the young man, that not only did he have this relationship with Becky, but that Jerry was aware of it, and that Jerry was mm-hmm. even present during some of these uh, incidents, and that he observed. Um, so he was a cook. Precisely. Precisely. Right. So this young man um, has now exposed this dirty little secret. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was, they met him um, at a hotel, uh, and he mm-hmm. was a cabana boy, pool boy, some sort mm-hmm. of of attendant at the pool. And uh, Mad stereotypical. Right, very, very stereotypical. And the Falwells say that they were mentoring him, that they were encouraging him to get his education, that... They were trying to, to help him get on the right path. And they even, uh, at some point, entered into a business deal with, with him. And they were, uh, they, they fronted the money. Uh, I'm not sure what his role was exactly, but they were, he, Jerry, Becky, and, and the gentleman. And let me get his name because they've actually named him in the press, so there's no reason for me not to use his name. Um, they have actually, uh, it was a hostel, a youth hostel mm-hmm. that, that they were involved in together. And so, okay. um, supposedly something went bad. Uh, the, the, the okay. business deal went bad. And so I think there were some okay. sour grapes with that. And that probably also had, had something to do with, with him uh, deciding to, to share his information. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the guy's name was Giancarlo Granda. And he, this is the cabana this boy? This is the cabana boy, yeah, Giancarlo. Right. And I'm looking at a picture of him. He's a nice-looking man. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He is 29 now. He said oh, that, so he's really Right, young. he's real young. So like the, like the guy that... Um, was in her son's band, whom she mm-hmm. uh, had had made overtures to. This guy was young. Mm-hmm. He's 29 now. He said that it ha- it it carried on from the time he was about 20 until I want to say he was 27 or 28. And when he was on Good Morning America, he told George Stephanopoulos, "quote He was aware from day one of our relationship, and he did in fact watch." So mm-hmm. he says that it started when um, he was at the he was working at the hotel that Becky was flirting with him and that she invited him mm-hmm. uh, to her room and told him that her husband liked mm-hmm. to watch. Um, okay. And so he says that he went up to to the room that Jerry was there mm-hmm. and he had been drinking and he was laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. he said that they actually had a conversation before things got started, he and Jerry, uh, about what was and what was not okay. Okay. And, um, that, that not only, he, you know, he, obviously the guy's young and he's, he's kind of weirded out about this, but that Falwell mm-hmm. 
reassured him and um and and basically urged him to continue um he mm-hmm. says that they continued to meet up several times a year that they mm-hmm. had rendezvous in hotels in Miami and in New York mm-hmm. and that he even went to their home in Virginia um to hook up with her so okay. um at first Jerry and Becky denied everything um but uh, after a couple days they finally came out and said well yeah she had an affair with him but Jerry wasn't involved and so mm-hmm. you know the the um for me the hypocrisy of somebody who uh gets on TV who and and not mm-hmm. all of them, you know his father obviously did for a very long time but He's the leader of this university. Obviously, he has an impact mm-hmm. on their policies. He mm-hmm. is the face of the university. He is noted by a lot of evangelical Christians that, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to, to be this voice of, you know, the standard bearer for their movement and mm-hmm. for him to be involved in something like this, I, it just really smacks mm-hmm. of hypocrisy to me. Uh, it's very much like so. these guys that um, senators who stand up in uh, Congress and rage against uh, LGBT rights. They'll vote down every single time something comes up. Um, they'll vote against it. They don't want to extend any rights. They uh, you know, are very publicly, vocally opposed to abortion rights. Um, all, all of these things that, that kind of get lumped together under this family values platform. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, the same guy that voted against the LGBTQ Bill of Rights comes out that he has a gay lover or Mm-hmm. The man who uh, railed against uh, Roe versus Wade and swore that he was going to find mm-hmm. a way to overturn it, uh, come to find out he's got a mistress and he paid for her to have an abortion. And so the hypocrisy right. just just really smacks. So let me add, let me ask a question and a slightly alternative point of view, like in this particular situation, dealing with him and his sexual fantasies or whatever he was engaging in, right? Mm-hmm. Can you can you be hypocritical of something and still think it's wrong? Hmm. And not encourage other people to do it. Because we'll say for the sake of argument, he knows what he's engaging is is not the correct thing to do. But he still ha- it still has a hold of him and it's something that he could engage in. Now granted, he could change the message which I don't know if he could with his particular audience, but is it what in what way could he say, like, yeah, I do this thing, but I don't encourage you to do it because like just like we ingest cigarettes and smoke and do a lot of things mm-hmm. that we wouldn't necessarily encourage our children to do because we know the damage is causing us. I think that there is a difference and maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Okay. 
But I think that there's a difference in having, say, say, smoking cigarettes. Um, obviously, we know it's bad for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And lots of people do it anyway. Are, are you going right. to encourage your kids to smoke? Absolutely not. Um are you going to try to discourage them from ever starting? Probably. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're a smoker, mm-hmm. you don't go out publicly shaming people who also smoke and pretend like okay. you don't. Okay. So, you know, and what I'm talking about would be if I smoke cigarettes at home, I, I don't ever do it in public. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows that I smoke cigarettes. And then I go out in public, and if I see somebody lighten up, I walk up to them and say, hey, you know, that's bad for you. You know, you shouldn't do that. You're exposing mm-hmm. me to secondhand smoke. Right. Versus mm-hmm. um, me smoking. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're hiding. You're, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's okay to publicly chastise uh, or direct even people and proclaim something to be wrong, bad, evil, detrimental. Right. But you're doing the same thing in secret. And I think it's the part so, about the in secret part that, that gets so me. I'll add another, I'll add a, another variable to it. What if you knew that if you were to come out and say your message and say that there's something that you're doing, you would completely lose that audience, right? And the good parts of your message would be completely lost on that audience. But if you kept it a secret, they would receive the message and you might possibly save some people. Would you keep it a secret? Here's the thing for what we're talking about here, which is Mm -hmm. the private sex lives of, in this case, three consenting adults. I don't think that that's something that you, if if that's what you're wanting to do in your private life, don't address that in public. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you can still have conservative Christian values in public. Um, mm-hmm. You can encourage people to go to church. You can encourage people to whatever whatever you might think of as a conservative christian value okay you can can okay. talk about you know don't have abortions until mm-hmm. you have one or you cause mm-hmm. someone else to have one okay and mm-hmm. and once you cross that line you have lost the moral authority to tell someone else how they should live their life you know and maybe mm-hmm. maybe he can keep talking about the other stuff but he needs to mm-hmm. not be involved in issues regarding regarding people's sex lives. And I, I do want to just mm-hmm. take the the opportunity here to say, I don't care what he does. I don't care mm-hmm. what Giancarlo or Becky did. I don't care if Jerry watches them. If that's what they like, they are adults. Mm-hmm. It's America. You're free to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not judging that. I actually know mm-hmm. people. Um, in person, mm-hmm. um, who mm-hmm. participate in this lifestyle. I, mm-hmm. uh, I know people who are, uh, in the female position 
in this in this tri- right. you know what triad. Um, I know men who are in Jerry's mm-hmm. position, and I know men who mm-hmm. are in Giancarlo's position. They each have right. their own reasons for being involved in that lifestyle. Um, right. At least one of those people I'm very very close to. That's their okay. business. I do not judge them. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, is it for me? Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm never, ever, ever going to judge another person by what mm-hmm. they choose to do with their sex life uh, as long as it doesn't involve children and animals um, or okay. or the lack of consent. Okay? Mm-hmm. So as long as you're... you're um, whatever you're doing, you're doing it with another adult mm-hmm. and that adult consents. Have at mm-hmm. it. But don't go out mm-hmm. in public and tell other people that they're going to hell for doing what you're doing behind closed mm-hmm. doors. So his message, though, what, what was his message about sex? Well, let's see here. Um, let's see what we can find on... And I'm just Googling Liberty University policy. Let's see here. I got my little iPad in front of me, too. Okay. So mental flaws, which is um, they used to make a print magazine. They no longer do that like everything else. You can't. they can't afford to do this anymore, um, but they're they're online now. And I love Mental Floss. They have some of the most mm-hmm. interesting articles. They they talk about all mm-hmm. different kinds of stuff. So here's an article from Mental Floss. It was published okay. March 17th of 2009. I just found it uh, using a generic Google search, and it was written by a guest author. And the title of the article is Five mm-hmm. Rules from My Semester at America's Holiest University. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that these are the, f- he, the five strangest rules uh, at the university, which has the unofficial school nickname of Bible Boot Camp. Okay. Um, They have a 46-page code of conduct called the Liberty Way that outlines punishments Mm -hmm. and, get this, monetary fines. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never heard of a university that could issue you a monetary fine uh, for certain behaviors. Um, Okay, so rule number one, no kissing. Actually, no Mm -hmm. sex, kissing, or extended hugging. Hmm. By university code, all romantic contact beyond hand-holding mm-hmm. is prohibited. Hugs are allowed, but only for a three-second maximum. Now, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first thing that I, that I think of when I see this is that, um, I, you know, I think back to my days when I was in college mm-hmm. and the stuff that mm-hmm. went on, things that I saw, things that I did. And um, the fact that a university is prohibiting uh, Mm -hmm. hugs beyond three seconds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Liberty charges any student who spends the night with a person of the opposite sex with 30 reprimands. Mm. 
I don't know what a reprimand, what, what that means in no, terms. A, a spanking or something. You know, I, I don't know if it is it like a demerit, like maybe a demerit. Like, do they do they keep it maybe. like in your in your student record? You get a demerit, maybe. and if if uh, you know if you get a certain number of demerits, then something happens. Mm-hmm. You get a spanking. I don't you know. Probably get a spanking. Yeah, that's a whole. You probably have to come to their office okay. and they get to watch. Well, you know, that, that, that is a whole different happen. fetish that we will talk about another time. Uh, rule oh, number two: no cursing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, the Liberty Way makes it clear that quote obscene, profane, or abusive language gets you twelve to eighteen reprimands plus a corresponding fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> he says that most Liberty students don't curse, but but they use this thing, they they say instead they say things like darn friggin' and crap. Um, mm-hmm. Rule number three: No R-rated movies. If you are found watching an R-rated movie, you're given 12 reprimands and a $50 fines. Okay, so here it is. He finally says this. Students can be expelled if they accumulate as few as 30 reprimands. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, I'd be curious, who made these rules? Was it him or was it his father? Well, we're going we're gonna to find out. That's, you know, that is the genius okay. of Google. Rule number four, no demonstrations. Any student found mm-hmm. guilty of participation in an unauthorized petition or demonstration mm-hmm. gets 12 reprimands and a $50 fine. And, and, and I love the way the, the last sentence in, in this paragraph in his article, he says, which begs the question, if you think a rule against protesting is unfair, how are you supposed to show it? Ah, mm-hmm. rule number five, I remember this from my childhood growing up as a Southern Baptist, no dancing. Baptists are notoriously mm-hmm. opposed to dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Liberty, dancing will earn you six reprimands and a $25 fine. Ah, even if, if you went to a dance, you didn't even have to dance if you went to a dance. Um, okay. And that is even, okay. that is even, okay. Well, now he did say that some, uh, apparently he has maintained contact with some of his friends who go to Liberty and mm-hmm. that the policy on dancing has been loosened a little bit. You can do things mm-hmm. like take salsa lessons and, uh, enter into ballroom dancing competitions, but social dancing remains off limits. So, mm, mm. um, just a little flavor of, you know, the kind of rules, what the, you know, the expectations that they're setting mm. for these students. And, mm-hmm. uh, so now let's see if we can figure out. And while you're looking that up, um, I was really playing semantics. I really, agree with a lot of what you said. Mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes, however, the best person to speak about not doing a situation is somebody that's done it. Uh, like a former porn star, a former hooker, or somebody who smoked or is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. They usually can attest and speak a little deeper to those uh, issues than other people. But what I do generally find is that somebody that's vehemently opposed to something they see it within themselves as some sort of moral failing. So they try to 
change, like we talked about in another day, they go out of their way to change others in an attempt to change themselves or they change other people because they don't have the will to change themselves. And what I'm starting to see with this particular case is I have a feeling that his father Mm -hmm. made these rules and it just like constrained this kid. To where he never really got to well, you know, get his own family. Now, I will say, let me point out, Jerry is 58, 58 years okay. old, and his wife is 54. So, okay. Um, and, and that's, and we'll get into that in just a minute. I wanted to talk about this, this whole idea, um, mm-hmm. of what they were doing. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I looked up a couple articles and things about it. Uh, I'm still trying to see if I can figure out who, uh, who determines these? So the associate dean for internal affairs, it looks like, um, has some. When, sort of, when was the university created? 1971. His father founded it in 1971. Mm-hmm. It's in Lynchburg, Virginia. So it's probably his dad who made these rules. Just more than likely. Right. Well, I, I'm sure he had a, yeah. he had a heavy hand, you know, in it. Right. Or at least he was part of the founding, I wouldn't say founding fathers, but that's as good as the word is in, mm. in the construction of those uh, rules. Right, right, right. Um, I was just seeing if it was the son. No, <laughs> no, the father definitely founded the university and, um, you know, I, I'm certain that he, obviously there's, you know, like a, a board of trustees and, and other people in positions mm-hmm. of power and uh, they are or positions of, of authority and influence that have have a say in mm-hmm. in what these rules are. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, when he took over, he could mm-hmm. have uh, done something to modify them. You know, um, but I think mm-hmm. that that he couldn't. Well, actually, first of all, let's back up. I think the first thing is, um, this has been going on, uh, you know, this, this, uh, alleged behavior has been going on for, for some time. Okay. So at least 10 mm-hmm. years. And mm-hmm. he took, he became the president of the university 13 years ago. So we know for sure it's been going on for 10 years. And, just just guessing, educated guess. I have no basis in knowledge for this whatsoever. But educated guess, if it was going on, if it's been going on for ten years, it probably, uh, even if they weren't doing it thirteen years ago, they were talking about mm-hmm. it. Because my experience is that that would be something that you didn't just jump into. That. Um, mm-hmm. That that as a husband and wife, that they would have talked about it for a long time before they actually acted on it. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just my mm-hmm. personal opinion. I don't know, uh, speculating. Um, so, if if that's something that if if they weren't doing it in practice, they were talking about it in theory. At mm-hmm. the time that he took over, he didn't have to take over. Mm-hmm. He he's an attorney. Mm-hmm. He had options to make mm-hmm. money. He didn't need that job mm-hmm. um, to support his family. So mm-hmm. if if as a husband, um, as a person, as a, a, a citizen, 
if you know that mm-hmm. this this is my life, this is the lifestyle that I choose, um, mm-hmm. and it conflicts with the mission and the um, how do you say just the way that the university is run, would it not mm-hmm. be a conflict for me to then become president? When I don't conform to what their expectations. Well, you know, I, what I notice, and I'll use uh, my favorite football team, the Houston Texans, right? Okay. Even if, so the, and you are allowed to be a Houston Texans fan, even if they suck. I am. I'm from the H, baby. But, um, like, I look at the, the owner, the former owner who passed away. I think it was Bob McNair. Right. Uh, he had a great love, great love for football, and that was his thing. Well, once he died, his son took it over, and he pretty much, for the most part, gave all the reins over to um, the coach, mm-hmm. which was what's this? Bill O'Brien. Okay. So it it kind of shows me that he doesn't have the same love for football that his father did. So I'm wondering, in this particular case, did he just view the university as a job, as a way of carrying on his father's legacy? but didn't have the same oomph about it. Was he going through the motions and just saying what he was told to say and ran with for so many years? I think that's absolutely possible. But Mm -hmm. again, when you have something, an organization that is so adamant and vocal about their beliefs, Mm -hmm. it matters who is steering the ship. Absolutely. You know, um, you would not want an abortion doctor to be in charge mm-hmm. of, um, you know, a, a group that is trying to get Roe v. Wade overturned. It's inconsistent right. with their message. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, now, what if he was mm-hmm. an abortion doctor and in the example that you mentioned earlier, uh, he he decided that that was wrong, and he stopped that part of his practice, and he devoted his life to you know, that's that's different. But mm-hmm. for somebody who was actively in that practice to take on that role, mm-hmm. it, it's incongruent. It doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's right. the that's the big deal here is he mm-hmm. was in charge of this organization that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is very vocal about what they expect and mm-hmm. the quote example that, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to, you have to set an example. Right. So what would, what's been the outcome of all this? He resigned. He stepped down as president mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And that's the other interesting mm-hmm. thing that, that I wanted to bring up is he got a $10.5 million separation package. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I see happen a lot is when you have someone who is CEO, uh, you see those a lot, called their golden parachutes. Um, mm-hmm. And in the case of the CEO, if he steps down, and most of the time it's a he, when he steps down, mm-hmm. uh, it's usually because the company's not doing well. 
every now mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. for some kind of of uh, improper behavior, uh, you know, whether they have a, a culture issue at work, you know, if, is there harassment, is it some kind of scandal if they've had a, a data leak that cost people a lot of money, um, you know, but but usually it's just poor performance that the company is mm-hmm. not getting returns for their investors, et cetera, et cetera. And they say, hey, you know what, we need to go in a different direction. Tell me one other job in the world where mm-hmm. your boss can come and say, you know, you really suck at this. We're going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. But here's five years worth of salary. Mm-hmm. Parting gift. Other than a CEO, mm-hmm. or obviously the president mm-hmm. of Liberty University, where does that happen? This is not realistic. And uh, I frankly mm-hmm. have a little bit of a problem with that. Why do you think that happens? I think that rich men created the system and it exists solely mm-hmm. for their benefit. Mm-hmm. But how would giving somebody else that much money benefit the other men in that company? Well, because somebody's going to have to take his job, and hopefully, when when uh, they take over for him and you know, they screw it up and they get fired, they'll have the same the same option available to them. Do rich CEO women get the same option? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I can't this even. Very I can't even thing. tell you. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a woman CEO of a large company mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, even though, according to Fortune magazine, uh, back in May, the number of female mm-hmm. CEOs in the Fortune 500 hit an all-time record this year. Um, mm-hmm. And but I can't can't think of a single one. Um, there actually were 37 companies on this year's Fortune 500 that had a female CEO. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Fortune 500, of course, is just the America's largest companies. Um, and do you think it's harder for a woman to be a CEO or in a managerial or a leadership position? Do you mean is it harder for her to do? The, is it harder for her to do the job once she's got it, or is it harder for her to get the job in the no. first place? Not not necessarily getting the job in the first place, but the day to day aspect of it. Do you think she runs in a different level of opposition than a man would? I think that all women in mm-hmm. profession, well, not even in you know. And I, I really regret that I even started to say that. I think all women at all jobs mm-hmm. have opposition from from men, and from a, okay. and from a lot of women. Any time that mm-hmm. a woman moves into a management position, there mm-hmm. uh, are men who think that they, for whatever reason, right, rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. Um, that that mm-hmm. they should have gotten the job, and a mm-hmm. lot of men who think that women should not be in certain positions. Uh, there's also mm-hmm. other women who are jealous, who 
Mm. Um, but it, because there's there's so much uh, constraints, there's so many constraints, there's so few opportunities for women, and so uh, that's one thing that my my girlfriends and I talk about is the need mm-hmm. to support each other, and right. as women in in professional uh, positions and how we can make it a better place for women to be able to mm-hmm. compete and to get ahead, not just mm-hmm. with each other, but, but with the men in the company. And, you know, I've, I've been at my job for 20 years. Uh, it'll be my 20th anniversary next month. Dang. Yeah, 20 years. And there was, there was a lady uh, that I met who was one of the bosses. Uh, I met her in the ladies' room, ironically enough, washing her hands. Uh, I'd only been there maybe a year when I met her. And she became a mentor to me in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. she, is she, still she is not. She retired, I believe, in January of this what? year. Uh, but okay. one of the things about her was that she was always very positive. She was, she went out of her way to find opportunities to promote women. And I don't, by, by promote, I'm not talking about promoting them as in their positions, but I'm saying uh, showcase, I think maybe is a better word yeah. to, to use. She, mm-hmm worked to provide opportunities for the women in our office to showcase their talents, not just for the people in our office, but uh, the, the company that I work for is a national company. We have offices all over Texas and in the U.S. And she made sure that we got exposure at a national level. Mm-hmm. And she did that because... Our our local office, which is the the largest one in the company, uh, but is run by a group of men at the top, and mm-hmm. it's very much a an old boys club type of atmosphere. And she knew that there weren't going to be that many opportunities for us to get that exposure if she didn't work to make it happen. And for that. Uh, I am forever grateful. She didn't just mm-hmm. do that, but she encouraged not just me, but but all of the women in our office. When I decided I was going to go back to school, she was very supportive. She expressed her interest. She made sure that I got the flexibility I needed to be able to go uh, to class if I needed to leave early on a certain day of the week because I had night school or whatever. She made sure to include me in things like um, when she would buy a table uh, at a at an event, whether it were a political event, whether it were uh, some kind of civic thing, whether it was to support a nonprofit. Um, she invited me, you know, she would buy a table and she would spend, you know, $1,500, $2,500 for a table that would seat eight or 10 people. And she invited the women in our office to go with her. And mm-hmm. that was something that, you know, I, I appreciated it. And I, I 
value the fact that she cared enough about our success as women and getting that exposure. Mm -hmm. She made introductions, you know, at these events that she would invite us to so that we could grow and, um, you know, just have a, a better network. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. that men have been really good at for a really long time is networking. Mm -hmm. And the women professionals don't have that that background, that network that men do. We're still mm -hmm. struggling to develop that. And so, so for all those mm -hmm. things, I'm really grateful. Um, but like I said, she retired in January, and I hope that she is – happy and enjoying herself and, um, mm -hmm. you know, do, doing whatever it is that she wants to do. So, right. uh, yeah, she was, she was a, mm. uh, you know, a very positive influence on me for a very long time. And uh, that was really important. That's cool, man. It is, it is. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she's a good lady. Um, back to the subject at hand about, what was the guy's name again? Jerry Falwell Jr. Jerry Falwell. Um, I would really be curious to know what was going through his head. Well, not even just that. With Cucks in particular, because that's what okay. he is. So it's interesting that you yeah. brought that up. I did a little bit of research. So uh -huh. the term, first of all, why do you call it that? And why, why, where did the word come from? Who who came up with that term? And Probably Pornhub? No, you are so wrong. That is not it. It actually it's comes from the cuckoo bird. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? Because the cuckoo bird or the cuckoo bird, depending on where you live, how you pronounce it, lays its eggs in another bird's nest. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that was where the, where the word was, was, um, derived from. Originated. Yeah, yeah. So. Do you know what wazoo means? I, well, I have heard the phrase out the wazoo, which I. It's anus. Right, right, right. That was the way I took it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. But anyway, continue with this cookery. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I found, um, an article. Well, let me back up. So apparently, uh, this, this has been a thing that has been gaining interest recently. Mm -hmm. uh, and by recently, I mean like in the last 10 years, 15 years or so. Um, mm -hmm. and even more so in the last three or four years, uh, there was mm -hmm. an article that I found that said that, um, Google searches had that you know Google has all these algorithms and they track you know what what searches what what things people look up and over the last couple of years that before this that there had been a steady rise in in searches um, to do with this and so mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting um, and of course once the Fallwell story hit the front pages. Uh, the, the Google searches have gone through the roof on it. So, uh, but there's a publication in the UK called The Sun, and they did a some somewhat sort of um, 
anonymous survey of men asking them, uh, and this was back in 2018, asking them, you know, have you heard of this? Are you interested in this? If you're interested in this, why are you interested in it? What do you get out of it? And they mm-hmm. did it through some kind of app called Whippler. I'd never heard of it before, but apparently it's popular in Europe. Um, I think that it is maybe like a Tinder or something, uh, some sort of app like that. And so the men, um, they they focused on three things, one of which really stood out um, there was actually a guy, I think, that, that he was 29 years old, if I remember correctly from the article. Uh, he was an IT guy, and he said that he participated in this um, and that he was normally a pretty, quote, aggressive kind of guy, but that he enjoyed the feeling of helplessness that he got mm-hmm. um, uh, when he was in these situations. And I, I can't help but wonder um, what the psychology is behind that. Mm-hmm. Behind the cook? Well, somebody who self-defines as being aggressive uh, mm-hmm. normally, uh, what is the mm-hmm. allure of being made to feel helpless? I can tell you that one. I think I have some insight on that one. Mm-hmm. Because I notice that a lot of women who are, and I can only say women because I'm a man. This is my podcast, and you're welcome to call me. I do now. Sorry, today. No. What? Hey, I got bad news. What's that? The the star Chad, you know the the dude who played Black Black Panther. Yes. He died what? from cancer today. Breaking news. Yes. Breaking news on the yeah, tab. I was wondering why he was getting so skinny. From what? Damn. Cancer. Cancer. Gosh, I hate to hear that. He's 40. Colon cancer. Oh, I really hate to hear that. Mm. Oh, all right. That distracts me. I really love that movie. But a lot of people, I want you to say one a lot of people who are fairly dominant in their life, and I'll even take away the bedroom aspect. Mm-hmm. But when you're dominant all day, every single day in all aspects of your life, it doesn't matter how mentally strong you are. Mm-hmm. That does get old. You get tired of it. And since you can't display that weakness in too many other places, but in private. OK. So I think that's where they get off on in that particular area. It's not a thing that I get out with. But I could see, because the most, I will say this, the most um, domineering or aggressive women that I've ever been with like to be dominated the most in that aspect. Okay. While the meeker women that I've ever dated are way more aggressive in that aspect. So I think people get to play out the opposite sides of themselves in private. Well, and certainly with someone, it has, I, I would think that it would have to be uh, with someone that you trust. Right. Right. The other thing that, and I believe it, uh, it was the same guy that that uh, made this comment. He said that it adds spice 
that it brings a new level of passion between him and his girlfriend uh, that, I think that it's wasn't weird there shit. before. Um, but the, yeah, but here's the, the well, you know, uh, here's the number one thing, though, that these guys said that they enjoy about the experience. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. the humiliation aspect. Hmm. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Maybe, maybe once again, um, maybe if it's not something that you get, on a consistent date, like okay, if you notice, and I'll just use this for the sake of argument, you don't meet a lot of black people, and I will strictly keep this to black people that like dangerous, like purposely put themselves in high intensity dangerous situations. I.e., I don't know, fucking jumping out of a plane, uh, going on a safari, any of those things, right? Bungee jumping. The reason being. And, and you know, because our our normal life is already dangerous and has enough anxiety, it's not something we're going to go out and seek. I don't need any added stuff. So maybe if you live such a life of leisure, like we'll say in the aspect of Trump, where everybody's always sucking up to you, mm-hmm. maybe that humiliation isn't an emotion that you ever get to deal and you know what i find that really interesting that you brought him up because he i've been thinking about him as i was Mm -hmm. reading about this this whole falwell situation and the Mm -hmm. whole russian uh sex tape that that supposedly exists um involving the the russian hooker right right i can see him getting peed on yeah and so it is exactly what you said He has lived a life where everybody sucks up to him. Everybody's a yes man. He's, he gets every, always has he his responds way. to humiliation. Not well. He can't flow with it like as opposed to my boy Barack. You can tell because the way he's able to slip and slide past blatant disrespect, mm-hmm. it's not a new thing to him. Mm-hmm. He's dealt with this before. No worries. Trump has no basis for when. Things don't go his way or some there. There's never been a time in his life that people have directly challenged him in the way that it's happened recently. There's never he's never had to deal with that because if somebody ever did, they would just be fired or he would just stop doing business with them or whatever, because all the playing chips were always in his corner. Well, Barack, I don't think that was necessarily the case. So if I had to shake the dice and figure out which one of those guys likes getting peed on. Right. I'm probably going with. Um, but it's but it's Trump. interesting that mm-hmm. he handles or doesn't handle uh, humiliation mm-hmm. and opposition um, well in his public life, but mm-hmm. that he would seek that out privately. Right. Right. That is um, strange. That's very strange. And even in the case of old, I keep forgetting the guy's name. You you have to wonder. And, I'm, and now that I'm starting to make the mental connection, I have an idea of why maybe that the guy at the university would feel that way. Because if he was, okay, all right, so hear me out. I'm thinking about this now. Say you got a, a, a 15, 16-year-old boy, right, that has to 
masturbate, explore masturbation or whatever, right? Okay. But he's made to feel shame about masturbation. He has to go hide off, do different things right. to perform the act. Well, once again, he's in a hyper aroused state. He goes and completes the act. And while he's in this hyper aroused state, he's simultaneously feeling shame at the exact same time that he orgasms. Well, guess what? He's now made that permanent connection between the two emotions, shame and pleasure. And what happens from there is individual, case by case. You know what I mean? What manifests from that? But I could bet that that's his root for having the attachment between the two. So he enjoys this because he the shame because he might and and what greater shame is it for a man than to have another man sleep with your woman in front of you okay that's about the highest level of disrespect you you see what i'm saying that a man can receive there's nothing higher than that because you'll see it all the time especially i'll say in some african countries because they publicize it that when a woman is abducted by whatever some gorilla i don't know what they call them over there and say they get she gets raped in front of the man or gets taken away and raped Mm -hmm. a lot of times the man will break up with her oh absolutely because he's he has so much shame that he couldn't protect her so i could see how in some weird perverted way especially in a constrained sexual environment like he lived in how it's possible for him to mentally make that connection between the two things. Absolutely. Okay. So what about all of the men who enjoy it, who are not in that situation? Who don't have the, well, you know, once again, I don't, I don't you know, it's, that's hard to say. It's hard to make a, um, in a general blanket statement statement about something like that Mm. i'd have to and i've never explored that world it's always been weird to me and it's never been something that i got off on but what i do notice is that the majority at least in the porn world and from what i see um because you know they have like these things like called bull parties where they'll have a big black guy come in have sex with some old white woman yes some old white guy watches that i think the graphic is very that apparently is the biggest subset of of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So the demographic is potentially, I mean, the same is older white guy. And most older white guys, I would say, have that position of power. So I don't know how the shame aspect would play in for them. So definitely, you know, I would like to talk to somebody. As far as a guy who gets off on that and have him be honest about it. Well, we, because that's a very strange emotion. I see that we've got a couple of listeners here. Um, if anybody, a ring fan, if anybody is, uh, you know, in that situation and has something to offer, we would love to hear from you. Get your take on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, I know women do it, but I don't think it's the biggest market for women. To watch their guy have sex with another woman. It, it does happen. It exists. I, yeah, it exists. Oh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It exists, but I, I, think it's, it, I, I do agree. I think it's a much smaller 
a percentage of the population uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wonder why that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe because women have enough shame attached to sex. I don't. Yeah, maybe no, because there's women that like it in spanked and stuff like that. I don't know. I I got nothing. You know, when it comes to certain sexual kinks, I've never really gone down. That's never really been my forte to explore because it's so individual to the person. Mm -hmm. It's so like it's hard to pin it down and a lot of people aren't open to it. And if I'm being honest with myself, it makes me uncomfortable because then you have to start opening boxes inside yourself that aren't so clear cut because with sexuality and sex things I don't think there's a black and white you mean black and white as far there it's there the rules what people like uh, okay no I'm just saying what people like I don't I've never been one to really judge it because it's not it's really fluid and people like weird shit and it doesn't make or break a person just people like weird shit and most people won't admit to the weird shit that they like Well, I, you know, I think that that's uh, just to reiterate what I what I said earlier. As long as they're adults and are consenting, you know, have at it. Whatever makes you happy. Uh huh. So, and you know, you you mentioned something earlier that uh, I actually have on my list as a topic uh, for an upcoming episode, and that is, um, you know, how we talk to our kids about sex. And what's 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 too much? What's not enough? You know, how do you mm-hmm. open those uh, lines of communication to make sure that mm-hmm. they are comfortable coming to you and having uh, a conversation, asking questions? You don't want them getting information from their friends. Uh, you don't want them learning uh, what's you don't want them relying on things like porn uh, to mm-hmm. to get their definitions to uh, you know it, it doesn't provide a basis in reality you know mm-hmm. um, but a lot of parents are really uncomfortable having those conversations and so mm-hmm. that's that's one of the topics that that we're going to talk about. Well, I ain't having it. All I know is I'm gonna say boys are horrible. Stay away from them. And that's your official position as a father. No, no, no. Um, for me, as far I mean, for me, man, you know, there's only so much that I'm gonna be able to say because I'm not a woman. Right. But what I will do, I would do for her what I do for a majority of my female friends. Friends is to simply give her the truth and unbiased opinion. She can come to me with something. She can be like, hey, this is what I'm encountering. And I'd be like, well. and But that's my point. How, what well, what do you, but, but what did you say or do so that she will mm-hmm. come to you in the first place? You know, the same thing that you would do to make anybody want to come to you in the first place, you start building a level of trust and, and the way that you build a level of trust and get people to open up to you 
is that no matter what they tell you, no matter how far left it is, no matter how far right it is, you don't judge them. You just simply listen with a blank slate. Like if you were to go into a doctor's office, the worst thing, like say your legs hanging off, is for the doctor to be like, oh, shit, (laughs) man, you fucked up, son. But if a doctor walks in, looks at your legs, looks at you and like, I've seen this before. Let's get to fixing it. That makes you have a different level of confidence. You'll become more open and honest with the doctor about, you know, hey, yeah, I really haven't been taking my medications. I really haven't been, you know, yeah, you know, I did this. So all you have to do is simply listen. Keep yourself out of it. Keep your ego out of it. And just listen to what they have to tell you. And people naturally gravitate towards that. You know, and I think that's a good note uh, for us to to end on. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. it's always about being open and honest and not being judgmental. Making sure that you're Mm -hmm. supportive uh, for for everybody that you love, not just the kids. You know, we have to, Mm -hmm. to nurture these relationships and make sure that we're we're helping them to be comfortable in in their own Absolutely. skin and in, in their decision making skills. So Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. so glad that you came on. Oh man, all you gotta do is call me. I slide up in there like old Tricky Dicky in the corner. Well all right Tricky Dicky <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we're gonna call this one a, a wrap then. All right, man. I'll holler at you. All righty. Peace.